Welcome to the Mind Your Body podcast. My name is Jenny Helms, and I'm an emotional eating coach and marriage and family therapist. I help people address the roots of their disordered eating and body image issues. I'm Lisa Perkins, owner of Primal Transformations. I'm a certified personal trainer and precision nutrition coach. I use a paleo framework to help clients transform their health, body, and life. The Mind Your Body podcast is all about empowering you to live your best life. We aim to grow a community of empowered women who are ready to transform their health and lives using a real approach that is all about getting back in touch with ourselves and not fueled by self-loathing. This journey requires a healthy dose of humor, perspective, and self-compassion. Our goal for this podcast is to help you achieve sustainable results that you get to keep. Please remember, the following podcast is not intended to be a substitute or implied to be medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with your healthcare provider when making changes to your diet and lifestyle. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Mind Your Body podcast, episode 24. This is our reinvigoration episode. Yes, we are we are back. Yes, I am Lisa and <laughs> I'm Jenny. Yes. And we're glad to be here today. Yes, we are. We have taken about a year off. Has it really been that yeah, long? Yeah, it's been oh, a long time. Man. So we've had both had a lot going on yes. over this past year. So I think it'd be kind of fun before we jump into our topic today to talk about just that. talk about what we've been up to. Yeah. So yeah. you want to go first? Sure. So I have been, I opened a business. <laughs> that That's a thing, like a new business outside yeah, of my own. Business. Yeah, outside of my private practice. I opened up a center here that has therapists and yoga instructors that are trauma-informed and a dietitian and a medication management provider. And basically, we are a center that works with eating issues and trauma, and we help to heal that from an integrative approach that treats not only the mind, but the body as well. Amazing. And yeah, and so it's been really cool. And this is something that is, is incredibly new to Wichita, where we're from. And so I have been building that over the last month, and so we're still super new, and it's very exciting, but I'm really excited to spread that mission here in Wichita, and um, if we could scale it at some point to help out other cities and other people, that would be awesome, but right now my 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 vision is here locally and to help, you know, basically Wichita heal from trauma. And, now, are yeah. you still taking, re- taking remote clients? Sort of. I'll I'll take on special cases. I think at some point I want to open up something a bit more scalable to where I can maybe do some either group works or provide something for people, um, whether it be something like a book or a program. Perfect. So right now, I think I just have so many in-person clients that it just would be a little tricky. Now, I will take on special cases and special referrals. I also have people that work in that vicinity that I'd be happy to refer out to. I know you work with people remotely as well, so I want to give you a little plug in there. So if you have something specific or if you're really struggling with an eating disorder specifically or trauma work that you're wanting to get done um, remotely, still contact me and I would be happy to get you connected to those resources. So, Right. Perfect. I love that. Yeah. So we are recording at Jenny's new center today, and it is an amazing facility. So for those of you who are in Wichita, boy, this is going to be an incredible resource. Thank you. Yeah, this is so needed. And it's, you know, you and I both know that, Mm -hmm. you know, based on the people we work with, you're a therapist, I'm a coach. 
So we're dealing with people, you know, at kind of a different level for sure, but it's all of the same issues. Yeah. There, there's no doubt. And that's what we want to talk about today. But, you know, I want to share that over the past year, one of the areas of my business that I've really emphasized that I hadn't in the past is the group coaching model. I have primarily done one-on-one coaching over the past four years. And while I love that, and that will still be a central piece of my coaching practice, because we can go deeper, obviously, Mm -hmm. I love the group model because of community. Right. And, you know, we've talked about this so many times, how important it is to share our stories and to understand that we are not alone, Mm-mm. that so many of the things that we are struggling with are almost universal to one degree or another. And the way to eradicate eradicate shame is to shine light mm-hmm. on those issues, to discuss things yes. openly. And, you know, I know for myself as a 50-year-old woman for most of my life, my disordered eating behaviors and body shame and trauma were things that made me feel uniquely broken, Mm -hmm. made me feel ashamed. Mm -hmm. I thought that if I discussed these things openly, that people would not respect me. And, you know, so you cover and it's like playing whack-a-mole in your life. You know, they, the symptoms kind of pop up, you know, in all sorts of ways that don't serve you. So anyway, the, the group coaching model I have just really enjoyed because it really allows that sharing yes. and it allows us to be more vulnerable in a very safe space. I don't do large groups. Mm-hmm. All of my groups are online. They're four to six week programs and the next program is launching on March 15th. So if you're interested, check out my Facebook page or go to my re- website, primaltransformations.com to check that out. And it's also a lower cost way to work with me for sure. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And so again, I just, seeing what you're doing and the community options as well with the yoga, Mm -hmm. I just, I love it. And I can't wait to spend a lot of time here. Yeah. So yeah, I and love continue it my own healing yes. work, right? So yeah, we're all on that journey. Yes, we yeah. are. So I'm really excited about bringing this podcast back to life because, it, you know, I know we've both heard from so many people that it's been helpful. And over the past 23 episodes that we have done together, we've really taken a deep dive into both the mindset and the granular strategy you know, of healing kind of these underlying things. You and I talked about before we started recording that today we really wanted to set the stage for future episodes to take a brief high-level view of the issues. Yes. Yeah. We're not going to go into deep specifics, but we want to really just kind of open the line of inquiry to help people get to the root cause of what, what you might be struggling with. Right. Yeah, and uniquely for them, right? And how exactly. it might look like on a broader level and how we can dig deeper into how they manifest those things within their life. Because I think, you know, all of us hu- humans, we're all connected at that broad level. We all experience mm-hmm. pain and suffering in mm-hmm. our own ways. We all struggle with our trauma and emotions and have certain things that are holding us back from like being our best healthy selves and having a good relationship with other people and with food. Um, And so I think that 
you know, yeah, we're taking that big high level view that I personally am more biased towards taking. I love to Mm -hmm. kind of do the broader view of things. Um, And then we'll dig deeper, you know, in future episodes Mm -hmm. and be able to kind of talk more specifically about specific um, strategies and how this might look like in your life specifically and, and tackle very specific topics within this very broad view that we're discussing today. I think you need to take a moment and introduce Nora because you're going to hear some sounds <laughs> you're in gonna the background. Hear her. She's, uh, Nora is my golden doodle who also is what I call my office mascot because she's not technically a trained therapy dog. Um, All dogs are therapy dogs. Yeah, well, she's therapeutic in her own right. That is for sure. Um, And she spends most of the day sleeping and hanging out with me and Paula, our admin. Um, But she also has this thing where she loves to be loved on. And when she's not, she can do this cute little noise where she's just like almost kind of human. And she's like, hmm. So (laughs) she is actually going to be our example for advocating for your needs. Right, exactly. Right? She knows how to tell me yes. in her own doggy way yep. that she needs more loving. No, she is not subtle. No. And it's pretty great. I didn't even, to be honest, like I've I've been around a couple of dogs and she's the first one that has sighed so dramatically. Like she she like human size. It's I, I it's hear hilarious. Her. Yeah. And you're you will probably hear her today, but we so. will be petting her for most of this episode. So. <laughs> yes. She will be getting yeah. her needs met. Yeah. So we're getting our oxytocin as well. <laughs> so we are recording on one microphone. So if I keep turning my head, so it's probably the sound is being weird. So I'm gonna try not to keep doing that. Do that. Yep. So so we want to just kind of go up to a ten thousand foot view. So if you I, I would argue, and I, I think you would probably agree, Jenny, that in terms of our eating behaviors, if you feel like you are not consistently eating in a way that nourishes you, mm-hmm. that most of the time it's not really an information problem. Right. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. Most of okay. the time it isn't. For some, there some is, a, people it is a very interesting portion of the population. Yes. And I say interesting just because I'm like, that's never been part of my story. But yes. um, there is a, uh, there are some people where it is an information gap Absolutely. issue. And, then, and, and of course, you know, we do need, there can always be some better information. Right. 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 But by and large, you know, if, if, if we find, like, I'll just speak for myself, you know, my eating behaviors in the past where I was, you know, mowing down bags of nonsense from Quick Trip in mm-hmm. my car, mm-hmm. that wasn't because I didn't understand that that didn't nourish me. Right. Right. I wasn't unclear. Right. That that wasn't helpful. And, and that's an extreme example. But if we're eating fast food or convenience food or processed food, most of the time, I think we can feel pretty frustrated because we know that's probably not in alignment with, you know, what our body responds well to. Right. Right. It's, you know, going to make us healthy and feel how we want to feel. Right. So, you know, that's what this episode is about, is just kind of going back up to that higher level view and being willing to open the door to questioning what might be underneath those behaviors. Mm. Right? Yes. So the deeper stuff, you know, past trauma, limiting beliefs, poor body image, you know, again, that could be from our childhood or that could be adult trauma. 
oh, yeah. as well. Right? Absolutely. Right. Or, or the combination of both where right. it gets layered, where right. you know, you already have this belief system and then it kind of gets ingrained by traumatic right. things that happen as an adult. Right. Right. So so those are obviously things, you know, and again, I would argue that these exist in some form or another for almost all of us. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. I mean, they, this. I think there's such a misnomer. When we talk about trauma, I think what we envision is somebody being in war mm-hmm. or childhood abuse, like mm-hmm. extreme levels of abuse or neglect. Right. Trauma is so much more than that. Do you want to talk about that for a moment? Because yeah, I think that's important. To. Yeah, I feel like this is something that I've I've been talking about a lot lately, especially working in a field where like we work with trauma. And again, so many people think trauma ha- has to be this really huge, dramatic, um, easily identifiable thing. Like even like car accidents, something like that. Sometimes people can identify that as trauma. But actually what I found too is some people don't. So I was talking to a lady that had been in a car accident and a pretty bad one that had crushed her legs. And she was telling me that, um, you know, at the time she wouldn't have labeled that like a trauma in the sense, I mean, physical trauma, yes, but she would have never connected that it was emotional trauma until about a year or two later. And which is right when things set in and like, you know, you see the layers of that trauma. And so I have to remember too, that even some of the big things that to me are obvious are not always obvious to other people, but going back to like the other, the other definitions of trauma, it could be the subtle things that are said in childhood, the rules that your parents create, the comments they make about other people, the things they don't say. It could be the tension in the room or that weird feeling that is indescribable or, um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of what's said and what's not said. And, um, a lot of like when I'm in need or in hurt or in pain, what are my resources or lack of resources? How do the people around me respond to that? We even have something called secondary trauma where it's like, I mean, we all have this. I don't know why I say we have this. But um, secondary trauma is this thing where you could have a traumatic event happen where people identify that as trauma. And I'll use one of my client's experiences as an example. She was raped. And the way her family responded to that, which at, some people would be like, oh, this is like not... The worst was that they they freaked out and they were like very they took it very seriously but they overreacted. And then over time they're like, "Hey, we can't we can't let you do this and we can't let you do that because they were traumatized by her trauma, right? Um, but the problem is the way that they responded to it over time sent her this message, you're the one who's not trustworthy. And, you know, again, overreacting or underreacting to someone's trauma can actually be traumatic itself. Yeah. Or if you have a trauma well, and nobody, nobody responds to it, nobody yeah. validates that. Or um, I had a client too where she... Uh, she made an error and she sent a picture to a boy and then her, her mom called the police and she got a lot of people involved and she, um, she told a lot of different people. And so that was traumatic to her because not only was it like, Hey, this was like this family thing going on, but now the whole school knew and now everybody else knew. And so yeah. It's it can be things like that too where it's and again I don't think it was intended. I think these parents had really good intentions. They were not trying to respond in that way, but that's part of their, well, you know, that, the deeper I mean, stuff for them too. I mean, you bring too. up a good point that I think some of the ways that 
you know, and again, I, I'll speak for myself, but some of the trauma that I have from childhood was not ill-intentioned. Right. Not right? at all. So I think that, again, I just want to invite folks to expand their view of trauma. It doesn't have to be rape. It doesn't have to be over sexual no. or, you know, physical violence, no. you know, or an accident or being a war veteran. There's a lot of relational trauma. Absolutely. There's, Absolutely. Yeah. So understanding that this deep emotional pain, that when we have a disordered relationship with food, with body, that we're putting all of our self-image and seeking control over our body composition, mm -hmm. that that may be a direct result of us trying to seek control in our lives because yes. we felt out of control in other areas. And so just expanding your view, and you may be thinking, well, that doesn't apply to me. Just maybe let that question percolate. Right. And, and again, we will talk in future episodes about how these, you know, even hidden traumas mm. can manifest in poor body image, in seeking control over our food, over our body composition, just putting too much emphasis there. Right. When maybe the rest of our life we're not putting, you know, the attention, which brings us kind of, you know, up a layer, I guess, is that so many of us will say that the reason that that we don't eat a healthy diet, you know, is because we don't have time, we don't have the energy to cook, you know, that we're busy driving people around and, and doing all kinds of other things. Well, this is where we need to start getting curious. Mm -hmm. Why don't we have time? Why do we not believe that we are worth caring for ourselves in the most basic ways, which I would argue nourishing ourselves is a pretty basic human need. Yes. Yes. And I, and I, and the why of like, you know, I, I hear a lot of people like, I don't have enough time in the week or I've do this or I do that. And then looking at like, okay, but we structure our week. We're in control of that. And I know a lot of people in family systems can say, okay, well, I'm not in control of this or that. And there's some truth to some of that. Yeah. Um, but then overall, we still, like, we're still making those choices. So we have to ask ourselves, okay, where am I, where am I really lying, like kind of lying to myself? I hate to put it that way, but we all do it to an extent where we're kind of like not being fully honest with ourselves about the fact that like we are in control of certain things mm -hmm. and that we're making certain choices um, and getting curious yes. about maybe why we're not making those choices. Like I know a lot of people in our society, maybe I should do a, a general one. In our society, it's glamorized to be a workaholic. It's glamorized to work yourself to death. It's glamorized to achieve certain things and make money and be the mom that like takes all your kids to all the things, you know? And so I think it's, it's, it can be difficult because it can even be a social construct that we're like, I really want to be perceived a certain way. And so part of that is fueling the way I'm making choices and my, how I'm perceived matters more to me than my self-care. Right. And it, it goes back to getting clear on what the values are that are driving our behaviors, right? Mm -hmm. If you make a plan that you're going to, you know, cook healthy meals this week and then you find yourself not doing it, well, clearly your subconscious brain has identified that these other needs are trump priority. that, yep. right? Yep. That that meets your core values 
at a higher level. Yes. Whether that's over-functioning for other people, putting your kind of, I've talked about this a lot, kind of martyring myself on the altar of my family's needs, that clearly met my need to feel value. Right. You know? And so, you know, I talk all the time in my coaching about the fact that really our goal is healing our relationship with ourself. Mm -hmm. That's really what this is about. When you talk about not being able to be honest with ourselves, it's not that we don't want to be. It That feels really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. it's, it is. It's hard to look underneath the surface about why. Why do we do what we do or don't do what we think we should be doing? Right. Right? And that... and. I am still working on that in other areas of my life. I feel like I've resolved so many issues with food and body, which is miraculous, and I know you have as well. But I think it will be a lifelong inquiry to get to know myself. And one of the things we were talking about before we recorded, I, I was telling Jenny that I had procrastinated on a lot of my business taxes. And so I spent the majority of yesterday sorting all of that out. And I was saying that it felt like a radical act of self-care, which is really sounds counterintuitive because it wasn't fun. I will admit that. But I came at that project with compassion for myself that I know I have more inquiries to make as to why didn't I keep up with that along the way? I knew I, I knew I should, right? right. It's not that right. I didn't have the information. Right. That let's be clear. Right. But when we attack ourselves and shame ourselves, it, it's like trying to hold your hand on a hot burner on the stove. You just can't even look at it. But if you can look at your behavior almost through the lens as if it were someone you cared about, like if this were a friend. And they were telling you, gosh, I procrastinated or I'm not eating healthy or I'm staying up way too late because I'm cleaning the house because I didn't ask for help, right? How would you approach it? Would you shame them? No. Would you critique them? No. Would you say, well, you'll probably never fix this. You'll always be this way? No, not at all. So it... It warrants the question, you know, why can we not be at least as compassionate with ourselves as we would be with pretty much anyone else? Right. Not absolutely. even a good friend. Like not, pretty like much anyone stranger. else. Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's always very it's it's part of that inquiry to look at the areas of our lives where we are not in alignment with our true selves, right? Because I see our desires and those things where it's like that lights us up and it makes us excited. Like that's that's your true self. So when you're struggling to do things that are in alignment with that true self, like what that's where I get curious too, because I see that as being those the fears and the barriers and the trauma that kind of keeps us from being on the path that is us, right? Absolutely. And to be no. curious about that. And Absolutely. We, and you're right, we naturally do that with other people. Yeah. And and instead of being Which able to really get validation curious for why what you're doing and what I'm doing with building community is so important because we need that light reflected on us. Yes. And we need those constant reminders. Yes. You know, from other people. And we need to be talking about these issues with one another. Because yes. when we bring this out into the light, it's so much easier to come back into alignment. 
Yes. And it's easier to look gently at the weak links in our chain, you know, to be willing to look at those areas of our life that we're not really showing up as we'd like to. You know, I say all the time, you know, with, with my clients, if they come to me and they are engaging in kind of continuous meal after dinner, you know, evening snacking, and then they're just frustrated, right? And there's no, nothing morally wrong with that. Let me be clear. Like there's nothing, no moral transgression there, but if they are frustrated by those behaviors, we don't, that behavior is a symptom. Right. And it's likely a symptom that you are not getting your needs met in, you know, a variety of other areas, right? Whether that's meaningful connection, time for creativity, time for play, right? Yeah. And, you know, so just saying, okay, throw the ice cream away, go through your pantry and get rid of all the snacks. Yeah. Okay. You could do that, but are you really addressing the root cause? Right. That's just the, the environment. That's just like the external environmental It is. Cause. It, it really is. Yeah. And that's not to say that we shouldn't, you know, fill our environment with trigger foods that, right. that are hard Set to ourselves up manage. For success, yeah. Right. That's not a kind, an act of kindness to ourselves, but that's not the problem. Nope. Right. Just like with it, with exactly. an alcoholic, you could take the alcohol out of their, their kitchen yes. cabinets, but guess what? They will, they will walk in the right. snow uphill right. both exactly. ways to, exactly. to get and, alcohol from and, the liquor store. You know, store. it's, it's tricky because with food, of course, we have to eat food every day. So it is a little bit different than drugs yes. or alcohol or gambling or some other manifestation, which those are also right. symptoms and manifestations of hidden traumas Absolutely. oftentimes. But, you know, those are, I guess, a little more cut and dried that we can say, okay, we're going to eradicate those things. We can't eradicate food. We can't eradicate food. food. No. Nope. <laughs> right? So, so nope, it's a which little I think trickier. It's like, I mean, I really do think it's a blessing in disguise oh, yeah. because I think it really makes people work on the issue versus just white knuckling it well, that's and turning point. it into anger or something else. Yes. Again, we've seen that in the... And that's, that again, I, I often use that term whack-a-mole that when we are just dealing with, mm-hmm. you know, the external symptoms of addiction... You know, and again, addiction, you know, whether it's to food or to overexercising or to being overly busy or all of those things, you know, it's kind of a loaded term, but we are, we're just dealing with the symptoms and you can, you know, cut out sugar and say, okay, I've done that, but where else might it be popping up in your life? Whether it's scrolling social media constantly or whatever. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's just so many things. And again, it's it's worth noting that our brain is always going to seek to emotionally regulate. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to seek comfort and eliminate friction. That right. is, our, our brain is always going to do that. And food is a very fast way to do that. So again, it's mm-hmm. having such a deep level of compassion with ourselves for our coping mechanisms. Yes. To me, I could not resolve any of those issues without compassion. Right. We have to understand that we've been doing our best, that those coping mechanisms served us right, to some degree or another. Right. And especially, you know, when I think about the traumatized body, like when we're looking at this big picture, like 
it is so hard to emotionally regulate a traumatized body because your body now, is Now, let like, me clarify. You're not just talking about a body that has been physically traumatized. No, I'm talking okay. about emotionally. And yes. it, it's hard It's hard for us to even tell at times if we are – what level we are struggling with that at. Because I feel like we all are – we're all, all on that spectrum. And then some people, it's like – it's so extreme that being in their body is just so uncomfortable every day. Like their living experience is anxiety or depression or a combination of both all the time. That was most um, of my life. I'll yeah, but that's a lot of that's a lot of trauma being stored in the body, Absolutely. right? And when you're in that kind of body and then you like see people walking around and it seems like they're at varying levels, which they probably are, um, it can feel very like WTF, like and like kind of subconsciously, like what do they have that I don't? Or, you know, it can feel very isolated and lonely and um and it can feel impossible to regulate your own body, right? Mm-hmm. And and in a way, there's some truth to that without help and without healing and without therapy or yoga. I mean, I think, you know, again, we're learning a lot more about yoga and we haven't figured out exactly what it is or the magic of why it works, but we think that it helps people with emotion regulation in their body yeah. um, and just even get to a place where they have what we call like the skill or the interoception to do that. But when you don't have that, like... I totally understand why people literally seek everything else in their external environment to regulate that because you're right. We all seek we to- We cannot live in that level of friction. No. We just and can't. We all, and, I, yeah. and I can speak so honestly from experience that honestly most of my life. And it's funny that you say that, that trauma, emotional trauma is stored in the body because I used to joke that I had a lockbox hmm. where I kind of stored this emotional trauma that if I- did go to a therapist, which was very rarely, and it was never for very long, I would say, yeah, don't mess with my lockbox. I've got it. I've got, I'm, I'm coping. I'm doing just fine. Thank you very much. Right. Meanwhile, you know, I'm totally over-exercising because mm-hmm. that was my only way that I could get a deep breath. Right. It wasn't. That was your way of regulating oh, your body and getting those yeah, chemicals to for pump. Sure. Yeah. I no, mean, there totally were more unhealthy ways that I would do oh, it yeah. for sure, whether oh, it yeah. was, you know, drinking alcohol or, you know, binging on sugar or whatever. I mean, there were lots of other things. I've, I've had people say to me, oh, well, exercise. I mean, that's if you're going to be addicted to something. Oh, gosh. No, I don't. No. I'll tell you. And I say this all the time to my clients, I don't want to be compelled to do anything. No. I want to make, whether it's a food choice, an exercise choice, whatever, I want to do it of my own free will, not because I feel so much friction if I don't do it. And that's where this healing work is so important. And I guess that's what this kind of broad level overview was about, was just posing the question, you know, what might be underneath the behaviors or the areas of your life, like you said, that feel out of alignment, Mm -hmm. what might be underneath that? And you don't have to fix it all right right away. This is not about, oh my gosh, I've got to be in therapy now. I've got, (laughs) no, it's about flooding yourself with compassion first and foremost. Mm -hmm. That's the first step. Yeah. Don't go clean out your pantry. That is no, not step one. No, that's not. Absolutely. For real. No, I mean, you can't do do this journey without compassion. Because shame will, I mean, we could go into a whole different podcast absolutely. of why shame and will we keep will. you stuck. And but, we will. But compassion, you're right, is absolutely the first, 
you know, radical grace, radical compassion for yourself. Because I call it radical because at first it feels radical. It does. It's like you got, not only is it like compassion, it's like compassion. Jenny, <laughs> you know? I, I will I will tell you, I used to believe that if, if I did not have guilt and shame, I would be a puddle of unmotivated goo. Right. I would eat horrible, all the things. Awful, lazy if I wasn't person, guilting yeah. myself mm-hmm. that who knows what I would do. And again, that is me not having any trust mm. in myself mm-hmm. that if I don't have these, you know, this kind of whip on myself all the time, if I'm not just self-flagellating, mm-hmm. then I will fall apart. My life will fall apart. That's kind of the the structure. Right. Because you're seeing your core as being bad versus seeing it as being good. Absolutely. Right. Because so coming back to yourself or trusting in yourself means bad versus it being good. Because to me, I'm like, That's, if you're, I, you I know, love yeah, that. you're reaching I back love, to yourself as being good. I love yeah. that you said that because, I mean, I would be very interested to know of those who are listening, if you sat with that question for a few seconds, would you assess yourself as fundamentally good or bad. Yeah. Honestly, I bet there are a lot of folks out there. I mean, that's interesting. I've not heard it posed that way. And that's, wow. I mean, that is a clarifying question. We are inherently good. And that's where, you know, understanding that you have been doing your best. You're doing your best today. And you know what? Your best on any given day is going to be different. And we don't have to light the world on fire every single day. Perfection not only is not the goal, it is not remotely required to be a good and healthy human. Right. Absolutely. I don't... Perfection is toxic. It, well, it's not a human concept. It's a mathematical one, which I totally stole from Brene Brown. But I... Well, not Brene Brown. Actually, Richard Bohr. He says that. Perfection is not a human concept. It's a mathematical concept. So, like, I like that because I'm like... It's crazy because we all chase it, but like in reality, like it is not like if we're actually being logical human beings, like even if we're robots, we understand that's not even like, because there's so many variables and we're not in a vacuum. We don't live in a vacuum. So there's no such thing as controlling things to perfection. Absolutely. And what kind of life would that be? It's not, I mean, it's just not even a, yeah, I mean. It's not a thing. It's it's not not a thing. thing. We need to let it go. (laughs) Right. I, I. I've had clients that I've worked with for a long time that will still slip and say, well, my choice wasn't perfect. Oh, my goodness. You just want to be like, no. <laughs> you're like, no, I mean, there gum. are so many yeah. things that go into a decision. Right. You know, when, when we ask ourselves, okay, what is my best in this moment? That, oh, my gosh, how many variables go into that question? Right. But it has to start with, does this nourish me? Right. Right. And I don't, I mean, a cheesecake can nourish you. Like, does this nourish me in a healthy way? Am I engaging with this food with love, with, you know, that this is an element of an epic life to eat this amazing food that was, you know, created just for me, maybe by a family member, and I'm savoring every last bite? That is nourishing. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Right. So, nourishing is not all about broccoli. Right. And cardio, right? Right. Right. right? So right. we have to expand our definition. And, you know, I talk all the time about we need to focus on more, not right. less yes. in our life as women. 
Well, I think that's like helping people just kind of have something strategically to get out of shame to focus on more versus yes. less. And what's interesting is so many of these dysregulated, dysfunctional, self-defeating patterns of behavior almost tend to just fall away when our eyes are over here focusing on what lights us up, what allows us to be more connected to people that that help us rise up in our life. Yes, absolutely. When we're engaged in community like that, we are not thinking about the sleeve of stale Oreos in our pantry. Yeah, we're not obsessing over food. And one thing I like to, like the way that I look at it is, I think I have pretty good body image now. And the reason is because I don't, use my body as my sense of self-worth anymore. It's not that I love every part of my body or that I never have any issues with anything going on with my body. That's absolutely not true. I'm, I don't have a perfect body and I never will. And that's cool. But it's, it's that I am no longer, that's no longer an important thing that's taking up brain space in my mind. And so where I used to have a horrible body image, it's like, yeah, I have a really good one now because I literally think about all those other things that you talked about and like the things I'm passionate about. And that fills up my brain to where it's like, when I talk to people about body image, I'm not trying to, and I'm not saying body positivity is a bad thing, but I don't really focus on that as much. I'm like, let's just not focus on your body anymore as being like your motivating factor or your happiness or your worthiness. Yeah. And then when you what step out of that, like what, you're like, oh, okay. What is like your I'm, purpose and your passion? Yes, and yes. just, you know, you think of men. Mm -hmm. Men can be so objective. You know, mm -hmm. my husband, Adam, he was, you know, he's been eating some extra treats. So mm -hmm. he was, you know, noticing that he has a little extra around his waist. Yeah. That is literally an observation. Yeah. That has nothing to he's, do with his self-worth no, or his self-image. self-esteem or anything. Nothing. He's like, life is still good. He's literally, not it's just an observation. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll eat. This or a little less of that at some or point, whatever. or maybe not, you know, right? But it has nothing to do with whether he feels sexy with me or yeah. any of those things. Like that has nothing to do. Yeah. If we are basing our self-worth on our body in any way, that is building your life on a house of cards. It's totally right? true. And I know, I mean, here I am at 50, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I could have the most optimal body composition, which I don't and don't aspire to. I have no interest in doing any of the things that would give me six-pack abs, I will tell you that. But even if I did, oh my gosh, I'm getting older and I want to age gracefully. Mm -hmm. So it is incumbent upon me to put my emphasis and my attention on shit that matters. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which isn't that. Right. Hashtag not that. Hashtag not that. <laughs> right, right. So true. So let's leave it there. Yep. Um, I think that is an awesome introduction to, you know, the topics that we're going to be covering yes, moving forward. Where we'll be going. We'll yep. dive deeper into all of this yep. and probably more, but we're glad to be back together recording and I look forward to speaking with you guys next time. Yep. Take care.